Well, it's good to be with you guys today in the Lord's house, and we are going to finish the Beatitudes in Luke chapter 6. We're going to be looking here in a few moments at Luke chapter 6, <coughs> verses 22, 23, and verse 26. And so, I want to share a verse with you out of Matthew's account of the Beatitudes. It's Matthew 5, 9, and Matthew says this, which Luke does not have this particular one. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. <clears throat> so we as Christians, when we come into the kingdom, when God saves us, we now, first of all, we now have peace with God. We have been given peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ, Paul tells us in Romans 5.1. And so now we became messengers of that reconciliation. Right? That's part of that peacemaking. We, we go into the world and we proclaim this message of reconciliation so that others can have peace with God. And also the meaning of that word peacemaker is that a, a Christian should be characterized by people of peace. We try to keep peace in, in, in relationships. In other words, peace between holy God and sinful man, but we also, just through the... Uh, the temperament that God gives us. We shouldn't be those that are looking for division, looking for strife, looking for arguments. These type of things. Paul puts it this way in Romans 12, 18. He says, if possible, right? So that, that's telling us it's not always possible. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Okay? Amen. So that's all part of that peacemaker, but we must understand this. That all of that language about being a peacemaker, it does not mean peace at any cost, right? It doesn't mean we sacrifice truth so that we can just have peace, right? Let's all get along. That's not what that means. Now, as a matter of fact, it's rooted around truth. It's, Paul says in Colossians 1 verse 20 that Jesus made peace, how? Through the blood of His cross. So there's only, there's only really one way to have peace, obviously peace with God, and that's through the, the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's where true peace comes in relationships. It's all centered around truth. So it's peace, but not peace at, at, at just any old cost. Um, you know the phrase. I think I just stated it, but can't we all just get along? You hear that a lot in our world. Um, you know, I remember um, years ago, <clears throat> I'm not going to mention names, but individual in my family, uh, or some individuals in my family, uh, I sought to, to share Christ with. And it did not, did not go well with these particular people that I, whom, I, whom I love dearly. Um, so I reached out to them multiple times and, and, it, and it created, it didn't create peace, I can tell you that. It created, um, I guess you could say division in the family. So then I, I talked to another member of the family about that and, and that was her statement. Can we, can't we all just get along? We all believe the same thing. We all believe in God, and I had to correct this precious family member of mine and uh, say, no, we don't. This, these, these people who are so offended in the family, they actually, they're of a false religion. They believe in a completely different God. They believe that you can become a God when you die and inherit your own planet. So I think you guys might understand maybe what, the, what teaches the hell to Mormon, Mormonism. And so I was seeking to reach these people with the gospel. didn't go well. And, um, and so, I, so I told this person, who said, can we all just get along? 
I said, I want to read to you a text. Trying to explain to him what happened. Matthew 10, 34 and following. 34 down through about 39. Jesus says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. Almost sounds like a contradictory statement, doesn't it? He says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on, on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And I sought to explain to this family member that this is all that happened. That it was the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that brought division. And that's what happens, right? Jesus, in Matthew 10, 34, what did he say? I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Do you remember what the sword always entails in the scriptures used in that way? The word of God. Remember it said, matter of fact, in Jesus' second coming, he's coming with a sharp sword coming out of his mouth. We're not to take that literal, guys, right? That's the, his word. He will defeat his enemies with his word. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, right, that the sword, the, the, the word of God, the sword of the Spirit. So this is talking about his word. His word brings division. But his word is ultimately what brings peace between sinful man and a holy God. I share all that to tell you guys that as an example of this whole idea of being peacemakers. Because in Matthew's gospel, he says, blessed are the peacemakers. The very next beatitude is the one we're dealing with. You will be persecuted. It follows. So we're to be, we're to be uh, peacemakers, but not peace at all costs. So dear church, the reminder we need to have is as, as Christ's disciples, there will be pushback from this world. Which is the title of the message. The world's pushback. It's going to follow like night follows day at times in your life. And so let's look at Luke chapter 6. We're going to read all six verses again, the Beatitudes, because we're going to finish this section today. And we'll pick back up in a... Uh, or no, yeah, we'll pick back up next week in verse 27. And then we'll have a, uh, a separate message on, on, on Christmas Eve, and then we'll pick back up in Luke the week after that. So Luke chapter 6, 20 through 26, and turning his gaze toward his disciples, he began to say, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, and ostracize you, and insult you, and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you are receiving your comfort in full. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. Father, please help us today, Lord. We pray that, that, that Your Son would receive all the glory today. 
I just pray, Father, that, that, um, that your dear sheep here today, even those who would hear, would have a, a greater love for Christ today, Father. Pray that your word would, would do its work in our hearts. Lord, that your will would be done and that we would be transformed, Lord, into, uh, into the image of Christ. We ask it in his name. Amen. <clears throat> so we're going to be talking about the world's pushback today. The world's pushback, and we're going to see three things about the world's pushback. And the first thing is that we're going to see, if you have an outline and you like following it, the first thing is that, is that we should expect it. We should expect it. Verse 22, Blessed are you when men hate you, and ostracize you, and insult you, and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Has any of you guys ever been called evil <laughs> because of your stance for Jesus Christ? Isn't that amazing? But yeah, that, that, that's a true thing. It, it, it happens from time to time. So the first thing I want to talk about is just the fact that we should expect this. Okay? False expectations. The false expectations are a bad thing to have in life. Really in any area of life. Anything you're, you're setting out to accomplish or you're maybe pursuing something in your life, it's always good not to have false expectations, right? You're going to start your own business maybe, Justin. Isn't it a good thing, you know, that maybe you are aware of what to expect. Hey, this whole deal, starting your business, it won't cost you anything at all. It's easy. It's, it's free, as a matter of fact. <laughs> no. Because, <laughs> because if you have those kind of false expectations, right, about anything, there tends, you can really get, um, you can really get knocked off course. Um, so it's good to have, you know, realistic expectations. I was going to tell Bob, you know, be reminded, um, anytime you're buying or selling a house or doing any type of remodel of a house, you had better have, have the expectations that it's never going to go like they say. It just usually doesn't when you're dealing with those things. Really all these different areas of life, uh, Ladies, right, when you give birth to a child, I, I'm not a woman. Isn't that amazing? I'm not a woman, so I don't know what that means, but I know that you, you had better have a, 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 a realistic expectation because I hear it's very painful, the whole process. Physically speaking, uh, raising children, if you're going to be married, right, when you have realistic expectations. It's not just a party ride, you know? No trials, it's just all happiness. Uh, you're you're going to crash if you have those kind of expectations. Raising children, it's not all just roses. I can promise you. It, there's great times, but we can't have these false expectations really in any area of life. Young people, if you're going to finish school, it's going to be hard work. All of these things, everything we do. And, and personally speaking, um, I was told in planning a church that it's very difficult and it is. There's just difficult things about it. It's hard work. And so I'm thankful that I didn't come into this with false expectations because when you do, a lot of times you, you, there's, there's a delusion that goes with it. And a lot of times people quit because they get into something and they think, well, I, this is not what I expected. I'm out of here. And so knowing the, half the battle, guys, is knowing what to expect. That's my point. And Jesus sets it straight with us. He sets it straight. If you're going to follow me, this is what you can expect. So we don't need to have false expectations about the Christian life. And so the, to our first point, we should expect pushback from the world. I like people who shoot me straight. And Jesus shoots us straight right here. 
So it's not a matter of if there's pushback, but when. Again, look at, look at verse 22. Blessed are you, not if men hate you, but when men hate you. Meaning, it's going to happen. Okay, Jesus, in John chapter 15, verse 20, this was His last night with His apostles in the upper room. Listen to what He told them that night. Okay, It's not only what He said, but the timing of it. He says, remember the word I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will, not might, they will also persecute you. See the timing of that? He was telling these, his disciples, his 12 or his 11, this is what you should expect, guys. I'm about to leave. They persecuted me, and you had better expect it. They're going to persecute you as well. Now, look at verse 22. We're not going to go through these words. I think you guys have a pretty good idea. We, we understand what these things mean. We don't need to break every word down. But he mentions just to, because persecution, guys, can come in all types of shapes and sizes. It's, you don't have to be in an underground prison in China to be persecuted. That is a form of it. That is a severe form of it. You don't have to become a martyr and, and have your head chopped off to suffer persecution. Although that is part of it. In verse 22, he says, Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you, right? You're left out of things. Maybe you lose privileges at work. Maybe, maybe people in your family or friends who once you had a close relationship with you, it's not there anymore. They ostracize you. They insult you. Sometimes it's just nothing but insult. And scorn your name as evil. These are just a few examples. But there could be many more. And so we must expect it. So here's the flow, guys, of the Beatitudes. Where we're at, right? The flow. We were made poor in spirit. Blessed are those who, 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 who are repentant, right? Blessed are those who repent, come into the kingdom. God has humbled you. You've seen your sin. You come, you're born again from above. Genuine salvation has taken place. And now our lives begin to be different, right? We begin to hunger after Christ. Things become different because, because the question I have is, why is there such opposition? Why is there such opposition? Why is there such pushback? It's this very thing. Our lives begin to change. Matthew phrases it in his Gospel in Matthew 5.10, Blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And in Luke, he says, for the sake of the Son of Man. That's synonymous, right? For, for righteousness' sake, for the sake of the Son of Man. We're now born again. And we now begin to hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. Righteousness. So maybe, and again, this would be more, this would be more, uh, more visible, right? More, not visible, but more distinct with somebody who's maybe been an unbeliever up into their adulthood to where they have a reputation. And all of a sudden, there's this change. And all of a sudden, you're not running with the crowd. You're not participating in the and the, and, and, and the dirty jokes. and the But it happens to any of us, no matter when we're saved, right? When you're, because you're now, you're following Christ. Okay? Your, your heart beats to a different drum. That of Christ. That of righteousness. So you're not going the way of the majority. 
What we talked about last week, now you're weeping over sin. You're not running after sin. And so there's a change that starts happening. You are a new person in Christ. You're born again. And, and there's a pushback from the world. Because they don't like it. They don't like it. We must understand, guys, that's the reason that we're going to suffer the pushback, the persecution from the world. Okay, And let that be the reason. Let Christ be the reason. Let your, your love for righteousness be the reason, not the fact that you and I are jerks. There's plenty of people like that, right? They're just flat-out jerks in the name of Christ. And then they wear a badge of persecution. No, no, it needs to be for godliness, for holiness, for Christ Himself. And we, because we must understand that that's why it is for the sake of righteousness for Christ. Because God calls us to do other things, right? Like be kind to our neighbor, feed the poor. You're not going to get the pushback of the world through just simply feeding the poor. A lot of the world likes to do that as well, and that's good. No, it's for righteousness. And I have an example of that several years ago. This whole idea that, that it's for righteousness. It's not just for you know, being a noble person, being a good citizen, feeding the poor, helping the needy. Those are good things that we are to do as Christians when we're able. So several years ago at the bus station, there was a guy that was there on a regular basis that I would see. And he, and he I don't know if he was a believer or not. I think he might have been, but I, I'm not for sure. But he was always encouraged that I was down there and I told him, hey, this coming Saturday we're going to be here with, like we did last week with the food, clothes. So he said, oh, right, I'm going, to get, I'm, going to, I'm going to bring my pastor down so he can see it. Because he was excited, so he came. His pastor was, was, was there and he was walking around after we got started looking at all the food, looking at all the clothes, and he was really encouraged. He was just like, this is great. And so I was preaching and somehow... I got into a conversation with him and, and, and the other guy and somehow the conversation got on homosexuality. And this pastor was very, very compromising at best and basically anti-biblical on his whole stance of homosexuality. And so, and I, and I rebuked him. I rebuked him from the Word of God, from uh, 1 Corinthians 6, maybe some other places as well. And, and he was so encouraged that we were feeding the poor that he did not like the fact that we were preaching the truth of God's Word because he was not a true pastor. And he slithered away. That's, that's just what I remember watching him being confronted with the Word of God and all of a sudden, we were not so great down there. We were actually considered kind of mean <laughs> that we would talk about sin and these things. You see, we're not going to be persecuted for giving sandwiches away. But you begin to give the gospel away, faithful, and you're going you're gonna to feel the pushback from the world and also from many professing Christians as well. So we should expect it, beloved. We should expect it. We should not be surprised, okay? Remember, this is half the battle. If we know what to expect and then it happens, okay. It's what our Lord said would happen. I must be doing something right if, if I'm not right. Not being a jerk, simply trying to obey Christ. Because sometimes it can seem like, man, what am I doing wrong? You can, you can feel lonely, but you're not. Don't be surprised. All the way back in the beginning, in Genesis 3.15, what did the Lord tell the serpent? I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. 
This is the whole kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. This is un- the unbelieving world will always push back those who follow after Christ. Always. And the account we read in Genesis 4, is that not what we saw? The very next chapter. The, the first two children who were born, we see it already in the Bible. This very thing, pushed back from the world. Listen to 1 John 3.12. Commentate. It's a commentary on that story. 1 John 3.12. John says, Cain was of the evil one. You see that? Cain was of the evil one. He was the seed of the serpent. Cain was of the evil one and slew his brother. If you ever wondered why, there it is. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. He killed him for righteousness sake. Right there in Genesis chapter 4. Church, a holy, righteous life rebukes those who are living in sin. You realize that? It rebukes it. Sometimes you don't have to say a word. Just live a holy, righteous life and you'll feel the pushback. Just from your life sometimes. I've had that stated in my family. Same individual at another time. Said, I'm just very uncomfortable around you since you were saved or whatever you call it. I, I was just trying to live my Christian life. And it was this very thing. Because his deeds were evil and his were righteous. Again, what does it say? Because the world, they'll, they will literally call what? Evil good and good evil. That's what Jesus said. They'll call you evil. They'll call you evil. So don't be surprised. Peter uses this very language in 1 Peter 4 verse 12. Guys, when he talks about this, um, this testing, this affliction in 1 Peter, the whole context of that book is persecution. Okay? So that's the context of the statement. Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. You hear that language? Don't be surprised. You should expect it. It's nothing strange. It's nothing strange. The world is in opposition to Jesus Christ. Since the very beginning, God said it would be that way. We saw it in Genesis 4, and you can follow it through the entire Bible to the very end until Christ literally, through that sword, defeats His enemies, including the devil himself. Cast them into the lake of fire. It's so clear. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12 what Jamie just read to us. Indeed, all. You hear that? All. Not some. Not maybe, not a few, indeed all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Okay? Satan will never cease to fill his children with hatred towards Christ. Okay? Never. Obviously, it'll manifest itself in different ways. It's not always going to be as severe. Sometimes it's just a Rolling of the eyes, a wagging of the head. Oh man, that guy, he's crazy. And sometimes it turns into to murder, to violence. So beloved, just understanding, okay? Just understanding this reality. Just having this realistic expectation will protect us from delusion. It will protect us from believing a lie like, hey, 
It's all going to be your best life now, right? Just come to Jesus. It'll be your best life now. It'll just be nothing but happiness, right? Riches, no persecution, no trials, no sickness, money in the bank. No, no. It's a, it's a rude awakening for somebody who believes that, those lies. And so the first thing, just expect it. We should expect it. In following after Christ, there's going to be pushback. Secondly, in verse 23, we should rejoice in it. We should rejoice in it. Listen to what he says in verse 23. He says, Be glad in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, their fathers used to treat the prophets. In the same way, their fathers used to treat the prophets. So he says, be glad. That, that phrase, be glad, it means to be overjoyed. Okay? It means to skip and jump with happy excitement. Ray Comfort used a phrase years ago that, I, that I've shared several times throughout the years, kind of to this point. And he's just talking about when you, of really just sharing the gospel with somebody. Um, there's always a there's always a sense of fear there. There there always is an anxiety, and, and and so he says, you, you, whatever setting that is, I don't care if you're going out to preach in the public or you're sitting down with a friend to share Christ. There's always an apprehension, and I think that's healthy. It keeps us humble, keeps us asking God, help me, Lord, help me. But he says, you you, you go away dragging your feet, right? But you come back clicking your heels. Most of the time, you come back clicking here. So there's a joy. Really, regardless of the response, there's a joy. I was obedient to God. Sometimes there's even more of a joy, in a sense, when there is pushback. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just supernatural. And he says, be glad. And when, and when does, he says, be glad in that day. That's very important to remember as well, guys. In that day, meaning, guys, it's not going to be constant. Don't think, oh my goodness, I'm not constantly being persecuted for my faith. It's not supposed to be constant. In that day, when it happens, when it happens, don't be surprised. You know, there's, there's times, I just noted once in Acts 2 verse 47, it says the church had much favor with the people. Things were going good. It's not always opposition. It's not always hatred from the world. It's just when it does happen, we should expect it, okay? So that's very important to remember. And during that time, during that time of, you could say, peace, when you're not experiencing that is when we need to be preparing our minds and our hearts for that. Okay? Which is, again, that's what we're doing today in this message, with Christ's message to us. You guys expect it. Be prepared in your minds, in your hearts. Don't get caught off guard to where you go, man, I'm so discouraged. I wasn't expecting that from Aunt Sally. She's usually pretty friendly. <laughs> you know, we should expect it. So he says we should rejoice. Why? I want to give you two reasons from this text. Two reasons to rejoice. He says, be glad in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. There's the first one. Your, your reward is great in heaven. Amen. I mean, that's, that's something to look forward to, guys. I don't think we talk enough about it. The Bible talks about rewards. And so, is it, is it not our desire now that we are Christians to please Him. We want to please Him, right? We want to please Christ. Um, but when we do, when, when we please Christ, we must remember that there will be pushback. And so, 
This phrase that I used earlier, we must have an eternal mindset about things. Turn to 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to look at a couple places real quickly to see this. This eternal mindset will enable us to rejoice when there's pushback. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 17 and 18. Paul says this. And again, remember who's writing this, Paul. He uses this phrase, light afflictions, okay? Do you remember all the persecution Paul faced? Beatings, multiple times, um, hunger. I mean, he was chased out of cities. He was stoned and left for dead. Just persecution like I can promise you we, won't, we, will, we will never face. What Paul faced. He, he faced it. It was so intense, his persecution. And listen to what he says. For momentary light affliction. <laughs> you hear that? It's, it's, it's just momentary. It's not, it's not going to last and it's just light. Momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. You see his focus here? I'm not focused on the here and now. I'm focused on there, being with Christ. While we look at, at not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not, not seen, for the, the things which are seen, right? All of what's going on now is temporal. You see his mindset here? It's temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Beloved, do you hear Paul's eternal mindset? His perspective on things. He calls it a momentary light affliction. This guy who suffered so severely for the Gospel. And the reason he could say that, because he saw the comparison. It doesn't even compare to the glory that we're going to... is going to be revealed when we're with Christ. It's not going to compare. And it's, and it's just a little while. Just a little while. Just here, we're suffering for a little while, and then it's eternity. Now, we're not necessarily talking about persecution, but I think about Rocky now. Rocky's not suffering with that horrible disease. Bad as it was, it was just, it was just for a little while. Okay? Same thing with persecution. All the trials we face, it's just for a little while. We must, we must meditate on Scriptures like this. Have this eternal mindset. Now turn to Acts 16. We can see this lived out by Paul, which this was one of those momentary light afflictions. In Acts 16, verses 22 and 25, Paul and Silas had been preaching. The city was in an uprise. These troublemakers, gospel preachers, and it says this in verse 22, Acts 16, the crowd rose up together against them. And the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet with stalks. This was, this was a very uncomfortable place they were in. The inner prison, their, their legs were spread apart. In these stocks, it was very painful, very uncomfortable. And then listen to verse 25. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, 
and the prisoners were listening to them. And we know the story if you read on, right? One of the, the, the prisoners, the, the, the guard was saved through that. He and his family were saved and baptized. And, and it's because of what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4. It's just momentary. Man, our, our focus is on Christ. He said to expect this. He said to expect this. Praise the Lord, we're worthy. As the, as the apostle said in another, another place in Acts 4 or 5, we've been counted worthy to suffer for Christ. Brother, that wasn't a fake, some kind of fake response. That was their mindset. And you and I can have that same mindset. We can have that same mindset. We've got to stop letting things like the American dream get in the way of that. Jesus didn't call us to follow Him so we could experience the great American dream. Notice so that we could follow Him, including the, the joy, the privilege of suffering for Him. Beloved, he, he was Paul and Silas, they were not living for the here and now. And that's the key. That's the key. Are we living for the here and now? During this time of ease, are we setting our mind on Christ? Are we meditating on what He told us? You guys should expect this. You should expect it. And, and rejoice when it happens. You see, you and I, beloved, we're born again now. We understand our purpose and meaning in life, do we not? That's a beautiful thing. There's a lot of people, they don't know what their meaning in life is. We know what our meaning is. We know why we're here. We know we are made by Christ to worship Him. To worship Him is the greatest privilege, the greatest joy there is. To suffer for Him. To identify with Him in a small way. And because of this, beloved, we're able to rejoice in suffering. Our future glory, what Paul was saying, far outweighs what little bit of suffering we have. Just a little bit of suffering. What we're going to experience for all eternity far outweighs it. There's no comparison. And so there's many people in, in this life but they, they don't have any purpose. they got all the money in the world. They get, they get everything our flesh would crave and desire, but they don't even know what their purpose is. So what a great thing it is to know this. It's a supernatural thing, beloved, to be able to suffer. That, that's, that's like anti what the world says, right? Rejoicing, suffering. The whole, the whole world, is, it's, it's, it's built, the, the, the desires of the world is to, right? I mean, nobody likes to suffer. Don't, don't get me wrong, okay? But suffering for Christ specifically, it's a beautiful thing and it's a, and it's a supernatural thing. That we can endure the pushback from the world with grace, with joy. Because understand this, guys, people are watching. Just like that jailer. Don't think he was not watching. They're in stocks and here they are singing praises to God. And God uses our suffering for His, His glory and our good. You know what suffering should be, guys? And I'm not saying that it is in my life, okay? It's, but it's what we should strive for. Suffering for Christ, pushback of the world should be like water on a duck's back. It should just flow off of us. And we should rejoice. But the second, the second reason we should rejoice in this, in this verse, the second half of the verse says, or he says, your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. You see that? We should rejoice because it's nothing new. Our identification with God's people that the prophets were treated that, that same way. In other words, our associations 
with the heroes of the faith. There's a reason to rejoice. We're in good company. Go read Hebrews 11. We're in good company. Those who went before us. We looked at, we looked at Abel, right? Right there in Genesis chapter 4. He suffered for righteousness sake. We're going to get to meet him one day. Brother, thank you for standing. He suffered. He suffered martyrdom. The hands of his own brother. Why? Because his brother was a child of the devil. His brother was fulfilling the promise of Genesis chapter 3. You think of Noah, right? He suffered. For, he was a preacher, Peter says, of what? Righteousness. God thought he was, or the world thought he was an absolute nutcase. <laughs> he suffered. We've, we've already talked about Paul. All the other apostles, remember we talked about several weeks ago. They were all martyred except John. He was boiled in oil, but he survived, was put in prison. Others in church history you can read about. Oh, I would encourage you to read about. If, you haven't, if you've never read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, read books like that. It's encouraging. You see this promise lived out in God's people suffering. And they suffered so, so greatly. But, but he mentions prophets, guys. And so I just thought we would just, just look at one real briefly a couple times during this message. And, and I, I just saw the prophet Jeremiah. Because he said, you know, in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. Just Jeremiah alone. Uh, it doesn't say in the Bible, but tradition says Jeremiah was stoned to death in Egypt by the Jews. And, um, but we know from Scripture he had escaped death many times. He was severely persecuted. Jeremiah was the last prophet to the, to the southern kingdom of Judah. And he, and, he, and, he, and he preached to the nation for 40 years, much like Noah, with no visible results. He was called the weeping prophet. And he, he preached a message of repentance. He, he opposed. He opposed frequently the, the kings. The king would have a favorite prophet. The favorite prophets. These false prophets. And, and so Jeremiah would stand. You can read in Jeremiah 7. He would stand at the very gates of the temple. And, and, and call the men and women to repent of their idolatry. That judgment was coming. If they did not. And they didn't listen to him. They didn't listen to him which... Those kind of things got him put in prison. And you can read about in, in Jeremiah. Actually, it was in my personal reading today, just uh, by coincidence, in Jeremiah 38, that he was thrown into a pit. And the, there was a famine in the land. He, he didn't have food, water. He was in the bottom of this pit, with just in mud, left to die. But by God's grace, a, an Ethiopian uh, individual had him pulled up out of there. But the, he was experiencing the pushback. Just like Jesus is talking about. The false prophets, what would they cry out during that time? You guys remember? Peace. Peace. In Jeremiah 6.14, the Lord says about these false prophets, they have healed the brokenness of My people superficially. Superficially. Saying peace, peace, but there is no peace. Superficial. It's not real. It's lies. But that's what they would tell them. And Jeremiah was preaching, turn from your idols. Turn from your idolatry. Turn from your bell worship. And turn back to the living God. Judgment is coming. And what would they say? Away with this man. We don't want to hear him, this preacher of righteousness. We love our sin. We love our idols. Does it not sound like our day? Sounds just like our day. Sounds like Paul's day. So beloved, we're in good company. Be encouraged by that. You're not the first. 
You're not the first and you will not be the last. So we should expect the pushback from the world. We should rejoice in it when it happens. Knowing that it's not going to happen all the time, but when it does, rejoice. That you're counted worthy to suffer for His name. And then last, we should be thankful for it. Verse 26. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. You remember when I told you guys the tables will be turned. Every one of these Beatitudes, blessed, woe. We're seeing it again. Church, the world will not speak well of our doctrine. The world will not speak well of our, our doctrine if we are preaching the truth. Okay? The world will not. If we are preaching the truth, they will not speak well of us by and large. And so we see here the tables will be turned, right? There's pushback now from the world. For, for preaching truth, for standing for righteousness, for following Christ. But glory then. Much glory. Everlasting glory. Eternal glory. There's applause now from the world. Preaching a false gospel. Trying to please men. And you get the applause of the world. But woe. Because there's judgment then. There's judgment then. The tables will be turned with all these beatitudes. Galatians 1.10, Paul says, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. You cannot. You cannot be faithful to Christ and try to please the world at the same time. That's why our, our land is in such a mess as far as churches go with so many of them. They've got one foot in the world and one foot trying to please Christ and you can't do it. I, you cannot. If we're trying to please men, it is impossible. It is impossible not to compromise sound doctrine. Because they won't put up with it. Worldly compromise. Individuals and churches all over our land have wanted to please the world, wanting to be like the world, but yet hang on to the name of Christ or Christ church or Christianity. You can't do it. And the phrase all men is, is very important. The, little, the, the two words all men. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. That just means the world, guys. Woe to you when all men, when the world speaks well of you. Woe to you. That should be like a red flag. If the world just applauded everything we did, guys, we need to look at what we're doing. Again, we're not, out, we're not setting out to make enemies. But it comes with the territory. Because And it's key, when all men speak well of you, because it's a good thing when some men speak well of you, I want good men to speak well of me. Not that I'm seeking to please men, but when good men who you trust, who are biblical, and they speak well of you, that's not a bad thing. We all want to hear well done from who? Christ. But we don't want to hear well done from the world. 
with the message that we're preaching. So beloved, we should be thankful. We should be thankful for the pushback of the world. Why? Because we're in good company. We're in good company. We see it here. Verse 23 that we're going to look at in just a minute of the prophets. But again, I would encourage you, if you have not, to read about the martyrs who have given their life. You can see it in Scripture, obviously. Think When you're reading through Scripture, be mindful of that, of all the people you see suffering for righteousness, suffering for truth. You'll begin to see that it's a regular thing. It's a regular thing. In Jeremiah 38, one of the things they said about Jeremiah before they threw him in the pit was, yeah, he, he is not for our well-being. <laughs> no, he was for their well-being. But their whole morality was turned on their head. They're, they were basically saying, this guy's evil, we've got to get rid of him. Suffering will come when you stand for Christ. So I always encourage you to be in good company. And so that's what we see here in verse 23. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. Verse 23 that we looked at a while ago, you saw true disciples identified with the true prophets. And now you're seeing false disciples, false teachers identified with the false prophets. Beloved, this world is under the power of the evil one. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. He is called the God of this world. The Bible says that men and women outside of Jesus Christ are children of the devil, and the world loves Satan's prophets and preachers. They always have and they always will. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to use that language. I'm a child of the devil, and I just want to hear Satan's messengers. That's part of the deception. But a man stands up and preaches the truth and all heaven breaks loose. This man is evil. His message is evil. But it's always been this way and it always will be. The world loves Satan's prophets, Satan's preachers, children of the devil. Loves the devil's false teaching, false teachers. And so in closing, let's look at Jeremiah again real quickly. This last little phrase so that... So that Again, when we, when we experience pushback from the world, we, we should be thankful for the company that we're in. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 5. We're going to look at a couple different places real quickly to close at Jeremiah as our prophet, as an example. Jeremiah 5, 30 and 31. The Lord says through the prophet here in Jeremiah 5, verse 30 and 31, an appalling thing or, or an appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. And the priests rule on their own authority. God's saying, I didn't send any one of these. I didn't send them. And, but look at this. And my people love it so. He said, these, these prophets are, are, are giving false prophecies and my people love it. Remember? They're saying, Peace. There's no judgment coming. Don't, don't listen to this crazy Jeremiah. And my people love it. Listen to... Listen to uh, we're going to turn back to Jeremiah again here in a moment to close, but listen to Paul. Because you see, God, you see? He said, my people love it. They love what's false. They hate the truth. They love what's false. 2 Timothy 4.3, Paul tells Timothy... For the time will come 
when they will not endure sound doctrine. Does that not sound exactly like basically what's going on in Jeremiah? The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside the myths. You hear that? What's the desire of the world? What's the desire of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes? Right? My comfort. I want to know that, 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 that I can have peace. That I don't want to hear about judgment. You see it in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament. So, so what do they do? They turn to myths. You guys ever have, you ever... have you ever talked to somebody like that? Maybe in your family you share the truth. You lay it out. You plead with them. They don't want anything to do with it. But then you hear, you catch word that they're listening to some false teacher. That's what happens. Jesus makes an amazing statement in John 8.45 to the Pharisees. This has always been one of the most amazing statements He says to me. John 8.45, He says, Because I speak the truth, you don't believe me. You hear that? Because I speak the truth, you don't believe me. You ever been talking to somebody? It's like they, they believe literally anything but the truth. That's what he's saying. It's because the very reason I speak truth, you don't believe me. Why? You are of your father the devil. He was a liar from the beginning. He spoke lies. And so you're a hater of the truth. You're a seed of the serpent. You are of your father the devil. He's a liar. He speaks lies. And you hate the truth too. They want to hear peace, peace. Our world, our world wants to hear peace, peace. Many in our, in our day, in our land, many sitting in churches, they want to hear peace, peace. And that's all they hear. Peace, peace. There's no judgment. It goes all the way back to the beginning. He's the father of lies. What did he tell Adam and Eve? Surely you won't die. You're not going to die. Right? Peace. There's no judgment. God's lying to you. As a matter of fact, you can't believe Him. What, what is it in our day? There is no hell. Or maybe they say there's a hell, but what do they say? There's no hell for good people like you. Is that, that's the mindset of our day. God could never send me to hell. Yeah, there's a hell, but it's only for fill in the blank. But I'm a good person. You're good. And anyone who would tell you otherwise is what? Evil. How many times have I been called evil for just preaching Christ as the only way to heaven? You're evil. That message is evil. You don't have the good or the well-being of these people. You're against these people. Why are you telling them they're going to hell? You see it? You hear it? It's the same language. You know what we need in our day? We need preachers who will preach that God is holy, that hell is hot, and that Jesus is the only way to heaven. It's very simple. Very simple. Now let's look at the fate of the prophets, guys, and close. Look at the fate of these prophets as a warning. In Jeremiah 14. There's a lot of places in Jeremiah you could turn to and see all of this similar type of language, this peace, peace. It's all throughout. Peace, peace. Get rid of this Jeremiah guy. We want these guys. But look at the fate of these guys and those who 
follow them. Jeremiah 14, 13-16. He says, But all Lord God, I said, look, the prophets are telling them, you will not see the sword, nor will you have famine, but I will give you lasting peace in this place. That's what they were telling the people. Then the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying falsehood in my name. I have neither sent them, nor commanded them, nor spoken to them. They are prophesying to you a false vision, divination, futility, and the deception of their own minds. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who are prophesying in my name, although it was not I who sent them, yet they keep saying, there will be no sword, there will be no famine in the land. By sword and famine, those prophets shall meet their end. And then he says in verse 16, the people also to whom they are prophesying will be thrown out into the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword. There will be no one to bury them, neither them nor their wives nor their sons nor their daughters, for I will pour out their own wickedness on them. You hear what he's saying? The very thing that they say is not going to happen is the very way that I'm going to judge them. The people crying out in our day, right? There is no judgment. There is no hell. What a tragedy. That's why He says, Woe are you when all men speak well of you. They did the same to the prophets. What a shock it will be for a man who says that God sent him to preach and he either flatly denies hell or doesn't warn the people of hell, doesn't believe in hell, to go to the very hell that he denies. What a tragedy. What a tragedy for people to sit under false teachers because they want their ears tickled only to die and go to the very place that they convinced themselves they would never go to. They didn't even believe in. Oh, beloved, let us be warned. Let us be encouraged as we preach the truth to this world. As we live a godly life, a simple life, a faithful life to the truth of Christ and His Word. That we should expect pushback. We should rejoice when it happens. We should be thankful when it happens. We're identified with those of old. Jeremiah is no different than you and I. Elijah is no different than you and I. They had a nature just like ours. They had feelings. They had emotions. They had weaknesses. They were men. Remember Jeremiah? Oh, Lord, I'm just a youth. And you want me to preach this message to these people. And he experienced the pushback. Matter of fact, God said, they're not even going to listen to you, but you just preach the truth. And so, beloved, true servants, God's true servants, that God sends His true people, His true sheep that love Him, who believe the truth, who preach the truth. And I'm speaking not just to preachers, but faithful Christians. Those who love the truth and just simply communicate the truth. A very simple message. They never have been nor ever will be popular in this world. So expect it. They will be persecuted. There will be pushback. But beloved, rejoice. We should rejoice. We should not be surprised. We should not be discouraged, but rather be encouraged. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank You, God, for Your clear Word. Thank You for those who have gone before us, the prophets, 
Thank you for their example. Thank you for the, 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 just the, the flow of your Scripture, that your Scripture is consistent, that your Scripture agrees with itself, the old, the new. We see it in your Word, God, all the way back to Abel, the prophets down through the ages, the apostles, those whom we don't even know, faithful Christians throughout church history, have always felt the pushback from the world and will always. So Father, may we be encouraged today. Encourage these dear saints through Your promise in Your Word by the power of Your Holy Spirit. God, may we not walk around with with false expectations that the world's going to like us all the time and that we can be faithful to Christ and not experience any pushback from the world, God. Help us, encourage us, strengthen us when the times are easy, Lord, to stand when they get difficult. Lord, we, we love You today and we praise You, we worship You. In Christ's name, Amen.